Stories from a Hard Place is an anthology podcast. Every Thursday, R.A. Jacobson presents another story from a hard place, read by the author. Stories of loneliness and betrayal, of false hope and shattered dreams, of gifts and regrets, of love and accidental kindness. Each story follows a separate path that leads to the realization that sometimes the only solution is a lead pill. Listener discretion is advised. Contains strong language, violence, and some adult situations. Episode 31, The Touch. This is part one of a three-part telling. Adam was obsessed with green and growing things. He would lay in the lawn, his face deep in the grass. He could hear the grass grow, hear the small clicks and soft scraping sounds. Slowly, The world revealed itself to him. He watched as small creatures, some with bright colors that surprised him, came out of hiding. There were creatures with shells of vibrant red and yellow, and yet were invisible to everyone, even him, until he stopped to see. In his mind's eye, he would walk through this world, climbing over stalks of grass wider than he was, duck under false dead grass, and confront creatures so large he was just a tiny bug in front of them. He would imagine riding a tiny red ant, like a man riding a horse, a horse that could climb vertical stalks of grass. Hours passed, lost in the miniature world he found. Years later, Adam worked as a produce manager at Safeway. It was a job he loved. In high school, he had worked as a bag boy and after he graduated, he went full-time. It was only a few years and he made produce manager. He loved being around fresh vegetables. He loved their colors, their crispness. He loved the life. When the store was empty, he'd walk around his department and smell, just smell. Sometimes he would press his face into the lettuce or cabbage to immerse himself in the life. The scent brought him back to a time he was quite young, a time of getting lost. Adam's life was just about perfect. He had a job he truly loved. He was around green things all day long. The only thing he could wish for was a spot to grow things himself. Maybe a deck with some planters or perhaps a garden. He couldn't afford a house, not in the city, certainly not on his salary. But a condo with a deck or a rooftop patio? He contacted a realtor to discuss buying a more suitable condo. He'd sell his and move up. But the realtor frowned as he walked through Adam's small condo. Then he turned and smiled broadly. Of course he could help sell his current condo and find another. But he would have to be realistic. His condo was in an older building in an area that hadn't gentrified as fast as others. So, what he wanted would be more money. With a polished smile that dazzled Adam, the realtor explained to Adam what Adam actually wanted. In his mind, the vision blossomed like the garden he would surely have. The realtor would run some numbers and do some searches and get back to him. They shook hands, Adam feeling happier than he had for years. A couple of days later, Adam got a call from his realtor that popped his bubble. He was very sorry, but his situation had changed. He had decided to leave the real estate business. 
However, if Adam was still interested, he could recommend a realtor that would help him. The realtor said, His name is Old Tom, and he's the very best in the city. He is in extremely high demand, but he is also a close personal friend that has made all my dreams come true and would take you on as a favor to me. Adam had seen the signs around the town, but he couldn't remember what he looked like. After a pause, he said, Absolutely, I'm very interested. That would be great. There's just one thing. Because of just how busy he is, he could only meet you at midnight tomorrow evening. I know it's late, but it's his only opening for several weeks. Will he have any time for me if he's that busy? Adam was starting to feel unsure about the whole affair. Oh, yes. He has a multitude of assistants. You will get service like I could never have given you. Believe me, he is connected like no one you will ever meet. He's very special. You won't regret it. Okay, well, all right, Adam smiled. Yeah, sure, sure, I can meet him. Here at the condo? No, meet him at Preston Avenue and College Drive. Adam chuckled. Isn't that kind of a busy corner to be meeting at? Not at midnight, after a pause, the ex-realtor said. It's not far from your place. No, not bad. Okay. Okay. I'll be there. Adam hung up the phone and was standing in his kitchen. He couldn't remember what he was doing before the phone call. He stood for minutes, long minutes. He looked around the kitchen. He looked at the stove. Was he cooking? Was it supper time? He looked at the clock on the stove. Six, six, six? It couldn't be. There was no time display, just a number. He stared at the clock. No, no, it was 6.36. He chuckled at himself. Why was he feeling so weird, so off? He felt like he was waking from a long, deep sleep, foggy, with his head packed with cotton balls. He stared at the clock. 6.37. Yes, supper. That's what I need. He just need to eat something. That's what he'd been doing. He looked around the kitchen. He couldn't see any sign he had started prepping any food. He stood for a few more long moments, then decided he wasn't hungry, walked into the living room, and sat. To his left, he looked out the window that overlooked the city. The window faced east. He saw some amazing sunrises. Or rather, he had when he first bought the condo. Back then, he could see straight across the city, all the way to downtown. Now, the city had sprouted numerous new condo buildings. Every other day, it seemed, another building sprung up from a hole in the ground like a glass and steel weed, blocking the sky and his sunrises. He stood in the center of his front room, rooted to the spot, and looking unseeing through the window, thinking about sunrises and bugs. With a jerk, he realized he was staring at a dark nighttime sky, it had been early evening, just a second ago, hadn't it? He was confused. There was a distance in his mind. He felt like he had woken from sleep. Or maybe he was still asleep and dreaming? Dreaming of being awake? He looked at the lit windows of the condos across from him. He could see people moving about, above and below each other, unaware of how close they were to each other. He watched a heavy, naked man smoke by an open window, scratching himself. Right above him, a woman in a robe ironed a blouse. 
Below him, a man played video games, unaware of each other, of each other's lives. He watched them for a while, lost in their bubbles they knew as their lives. Just another Wednesday night, like a hundred others. I guess I should be going, he said to the empty apartment. He felt it was time. He turned and left his bubble. The apartment was dark. He didn't close the door. He just stepped into the hallway, down the stairs, and out into the street. The coolness of an evening surprised him. He walked without thinking, calm, relaxed, not a worry in his mind. He strolled, taking his time, knowing he would be on time. He watched people in their bubbles, doing whatever it was they were doing, going where they were going, unaware of him, unaware of anything outside of their bubbles. He watched them, somehow released from him, aware now, maybe for the first time, of the surrounding individuals. Absently, he noticed there were not that many people out, fewer than he would have expected. When he realized that, he stopped and looked around. He was nearly at the crossroads he was heading for, and there were fewer and fewer people. He looked about. It was surreal, like a 60s sci-fi movie. The streetlights lit empty streets. He walked forward until he arrived at the crossroads. He walked to the middle of the crossroads and stood still. He turned on the spot. There wasn't a person to be seen. No lights of cars. It was eerie. The strangeness rattled him. And he lost some of the fog that had wrapped around his head right after the phone call about this meeting. He marveled at the sight. He remembered hearing on the radio a couple months back that this intersection was the deadliest crossroads in the city, in the country. Far off he could hear the city hum. The life of the city continued, but here there was nothing. He started at the sound of tires right behind him. He spun and saw a long black car pull up close. He stared. The door opened and a tall, thin man stepped out onto the pavement. He was dressed in a fine black suit. He gave off the air of pristine calmness, relaxed confidence that he wore with utter assurance. He smiled at Adam. It was a perfect smile. It was polished chrome. It glinted with a predatory intensity. It was fixed and focused. Adam shrank back. The man stepped forward, hand extended. Mr. Gardner, how very nice to meet you. Adam paused, unsure. Then he shook the proffered hand. Old Tom? Adam felt silly calling the man Old Tom. He was not an Old Tom. He was a shark, not a friendly back-home kind of guy. Yes, he said. His smile widened as if he knew the name didn't match his face and continued, Excellent. And why do you wish to move, if I may ask? I'm tired of the city. I want a larger place. I... Yes, yes. But what is it you truly want? Old Tom interrupted. What do you want in your heart? What is it deep down that you want? He looked at Adam. His eyes bore into him. His eyes grew, expanded, became massive. They became vast, dark expanses. They became universes of black. Adam stared at them. Adam got lost. The fog that had blanketed his brain earlier in the day now thickened and tightened. He felt himself fall, or nearly fall, like the moment of falling asleep, a sudden jerk that usually wakes. It didn't wake him. He continued to fall. The gravity of those eyes pulled him into them. His heart opened and he said, I want to grow life. 
And then they were standing on the pavement in the city at the crossroads at Preston and College, two men talking. The tall man in a black suit smiled. It was almost a friendly smile that nearly reached his eyes. Life? Well, Adam, that's a biggie. He rubbed his chin. You know, I don't think I've had this request before. He laughed. Well, Adam, I do believe I can give that to you. For a second, Adam looked at him, a vague look in his eyes, and then he shook his head, and the fog that had clamped down on him lifted. He looked around, at the street, at the city lights, at old Tom. Ah, I'm sorry, what were we talking about? Oh, we were just discussing your housing needs. I think I can help you. Yes, that's great, Adam smiled, still somewhat confused. Old Tom turned, then paused, and said like an afterthought, Adam, would you mind if you sign this representational agreement? Totally standard. Well, of course, Adam said, and smiling, signed the paper. The walk home felt much longer. Adam felt elated as though something momentous had just happened. He walked with a lightness in his step. He looked around the city, watching the people in their bubbles walking to their destinations unknown to him. He felt right, as the world agreed with him for the first time in his life. He would move to a new home where he could watch life, life he brought into the world, flourish and dazzle him as he had been when he was young and watching the small world open up to him in the grass. A week went by. Adam's excitement grew. He started looking at gardening videos, seeking out websites with gardening advice. While Adam was obsessed with plants and the growing things, he had never planted anything. He had never had a houseplant. In some way, he felt like to have a houseplant was like putting the plant in prison. Was it right to keep a plant locked away from air and light that was its natural environment? He didn't look down on people, at least not too much for having houseplants. It just wasn't what he wanted to do. It just wasn't right. He hadn't heard from old Tom in almost a week. Then, in a late afternoon, he heard a knock on the door of his condo. Standing there, in the hallway, was an incredibly tall man in a dark suit with a large-brimmed hat. He had a smile like old Tom's, huge, broad, except where Tom's was so white it dazzled, this smile was a sickly gray. For an uncomfortable moment, Adam was sure he saw a flickering movement beneath the surface of the teeth, like a larvae under a thin, translucent shell. Adam shivered and looked away. When he looked back, the teeth were white and the smile was even broader. I am Mr. September. Mr. September? That's an unusual name, Adam said unthinkingly. He immediately regretted saying it. The man, Mr. September, smiled and said, Yes. There was an edge to his voice that hadn't been there before. I am here in old Tom's stead. His left hand came up, holding a black leather book, and opened it. After a quick glance, he looked back to Adam. We have found you a new home. Adam stared at him, not understanding. I'm sorry? What did you say? We have found you a new home, he said, as though it was the most beautiful thing. Adam stared at him. I... He paused. You found me a home? Yes, a new home, he smiled. A new home? Adam looked at the man and his smile, then looked around. He had not packed, he had not even looked at any possible places. Old Tom said to tell you, this is the perfect home for you. 
I haven't looked at anything yet. Isn't that the way it works? I go look at places till I find a place, then I put in an offer? The man in the hat seemed puzzled. Adam noticed he could not see the man's eyes. He looked at the dark under the hat, trying to see them. For all his straining, he could not find his eyes. He shivered. A dread he could not put a finger on touched his spine. He was sure the man had eyes, but he could not see them. Mr. September's smile faltered slightly, as if he was aware of Adam's discomfort. Then it came back brighter than ever. Yes, that's the normal way. However, old Tom purchased this new property knowing you would love it. Would you like to see it? Um, yes, I guess. That's just a bee's knees, the man in the hat said. It sounded like something he had heard and was trying out. What? Confused, the smile diminished. That's great, he said without enthusiasm. Adam looked at Mr. September, feeling like he was in a dream where things looked right, but they were not. Everything about this man was off. Um, where is this new place, Adam said. The man's smile grew impossibly large. He seemed relieved to be on solid ground again. It is at 792 Cartwright Street. It's in the Willows, the man said with a forced smile. Adam thought it was weird, as though it was supposed to be a source of pride. Here are your keys. Adam took the keys and looked at them. House keys. Just house keys. With a small cardboard tag tied with a string, it read 792 Cartwright Street, in a barely readable scrawl, like something you'd expect on a doctor's prescription pad. Okay, am I going to meet old Tom there, or what? After a pause, the man said, no, and stood still, his smile frozen on his face. Adam looked at him, then, deciding the conversation was over, said, Okay, and closed the door. Adam stood still for a moment, listening. Then he opened the door. The man was gone. Flies buzzed about, banging into the window at the end of the hall beside Adam's condo. But the man was gone. Adam stepped out a bit. He looked down the hallway. The man was nowhere to be seen. Adam turned and looked at the window. The casement and the floor beneath the window were covered in dead black flies. He stepped further into the hallway and looked at the hundreds of black flies strewn across the windowsill and carpet. They were all dead and dying. He couldn't remember ever seeing such a sight. It mesmerized him as it repulsed him. It was the same feeling he had with plants from decay to life. He kneeled and peered down at the black mass. Some flies were still moving, their legs hitching, an occasional flutter of their plastic-looking wings. He leaned closer, his face inches from the pile. The smell wasn't unpleasant. In fact, there was the same smell of earth and life he had searched for. He closed his eyes and breathed deep. The scent filled him. He stood and swayed. He opened his eyes. He was no longer standing in the hallway outside of his apartment door. Before him, in the dark, the black sand stretched out as far as he could see. It seemed to shimmer in the weak light that came from the stars. Stars? He looked up in the near black sky. It was peppered with white stars that didn't feel like stars. They were too consistent, too bright, and there were far too many of them. They filled the sky from horizon to horizon. They ended at what looked like far-off range of mountains that could only be seen by the absence of those same stars. He realized he was cold. He wrapped his arms around himself and looked around. 
He was standing not far from a river. It was black and flowed slowly. Shivering, he turned and walked towards it. On a whim, he turned and looked back at his tracks. The smooth black sand was unmarked. He took a step backward and watched the sand erased the impression his feet had left. He shivered and turned back to the river. He stopped on the bank and looked across the smooth water. It reflected the stars, stretching and pulling them in its currents and eddies. He looked up and down the river. There was nothing to the right or to the left. He turned and started to walk. He could not have said how long he walked. It was cold deep inside him now. He had stopped shivering, but he knew he was cold. He stopped and looked back the way he'd come. There was no trace he had ever walked there. He looked up at the stars. Their light was icy, a white that made him feel the cold. He clenched his teeth to stop them from chattering. His jaw muscles hurt from the effort. He continued to walk. His head was down. He walked. He tried to remember dates of things. He counted his steps. When he lost count, he would restart. He stumbled and realized he had no idea how far he'd come. He was convinced he had been asleep as he walked. He shook his head and continued on. He had no idea where he was or where he was going, but he felt he had to continue. He didn't know how long he walked till he stumbled again. This time he fell forward, his arms splashing in the river's edge. He pulled back violently. It felt like the water had pulled at him. He looked at his arm. It wasn't wet. Where his arm had touched the water, there was a small eddy. He was sure it was his imagination, or just that he was so tired, but it looked, only for a second, like the water bulged. He felt menace and moved back. The eddies disappeared. He looked at the river, holding his arm. To his right, still some distance away, there was something, a shape that broke the constant distance. He walked toward it. It did not disappear as he feared it might. Instead, it grew with each step. He moved quicker. He squinted, working to make it out. It was a structure, but what kind he wasn't sure. It looked like a fence, or maybe a low building with lots of windows. He slowed when he realized he was looking at a huge pier that jutted out over the river. It amazed him how long it took to reach it. It was much larger than he first thought. Without something to measure it against, it looked large, but he would never guess just how massive it was. He stood looking at the pier. He turned and looked at the road that led away from the pier. He walked a few paces on the road. It was hard-packed black sand. He noticed along the sides of the road were dark shapes, half buried in sand. He examined the nearest shape. He was only a couple of paces from it when he knew what he was looking at. It was a suitcase, half open, its contents scattered. Beside it was another suitcase, this one closed, but here it was partially buried. He looked around. There was stuff everywhere. Beside the suitcases, there was clothing of all kinds, packages, boxes, laptops, even toys and phones, hundreds of shiny small rectangles scattered along the side of the road. He walked several paces, just looking at the sheer volume of detritus, when a whitish object caught his eye. He stared, not wanting to get closer, knowing instinctively what he was looking at, but denying it nonetheless. 
In spite of himself, he moved a step closer and knew. He was looking at the small skull of a child, partially wrapped in a blanket. As soon as he realized what he was looking at, he looked down the roadside, and the white shapes seemed to pop up at him. He decided that he was dreaming. He hadn't thought about the weirdness of all this. He had just accepted it. It was a dream. And with that clear in his head, he was okay. He'd just see what happened next. Eventually, he'd wake, and this would be all over. With dream logic, he turned and walked back and out onto the pier. He noticed the sound as he stepped from the sand to the pier. His foot made a hollow thump. He realized how quiet it had been. There was no sound, no wind, no animals, not even the sound from the river. Just sounds he brought with him. His breathing, the rustle of his clothing, even his heart beating. Now, footfalls on the pier. He walked softly, as if he was in a grand old library or a church at a funeral. Pier was made of massive timbers, black and hard with age. They were worn, each plank cupped by thousands of feet walking on them. He looked back down the road with the strewn suitcases and abandoned stuff. Thousands of feet that had dropped their belongings. He stopped himself. He didn't want to think about it. He turned back and walked further along the pier. The pier was wide, easily as wide as a street. On each side was a railing made of large wooden beams. He angled himself as he walked and came up to the right-hand railing. The wood was old and black here as well, but it was not worn. No hands had touched it. No one had stood and looked out at the dark landscape. He leaned forward and looked at the slow-moving water. He was surprised at how far down it was. He looked along the side of the pier at the massive pillars that supported the pier. It was a gridwork of black timbers. Where they touched the water, the water seemed to pull back slightly from the wood and created tiny eddies that spiraled slowly away. He straightened and continued down the pier. At the end, the railing stopped at the left-hand side while the right continued, then turned and crossed off the end of the pier. Here, large mooring anchors were bolted into the wood. Something large docked here. He looked up and down the river, then across to the other side, for the first time, he could make out the other side. There was another large pier across and upriver from where he stood. As he looked down the river at the other pier, he noticed movement on the pier and realized there was a man standing at the end of the pier looking back at him. This was the first person he had seen walking by this river. Adam waved, moving his arms in big swinging movements. He was sure the man saw him but made no response and just stood looking up the river. He stopped waving, the man on the other pier just looked, then turned and walked away. Adam cursed quietly. He looked across the river, watching the reflection of the stars twist in the river's current. He looked down into the black water, saw his face reflected there. He was standing, looking at his face in the mirror. It was dark. He was in his bathroom in his condo, and the lights were off. He pulled back and looked around. It must have been a dream. He was sleepwalking. He had never walked in his sleep before. He flipped the light on and couldn't understand what he saw in the mirror. He had a beard of at least a couple days' worth of growth. He rubbed his face and left the bathroom. 
He found his phone, but it was dead. He flipped the TV on and went to the weather channel. It was four days since the afternoon the strange man in the black suit had shown up with the keys to his new home. He sat on the couch and looked at the TV. He felt tired. How could he be tired? Didn't he just wake up? He let his head fall back and fell instantly asleep. I hope you've enjoyed The Touch Part 1. Tune in next week for The Touch Part 2. Music by Noah Zachran. Production copyright by R.A. Jacobson 2021. If you would like to support Stories from a Hard Place, please go to patreon.com forward slash hardplace. If you'd like a book version, either ebook or print, you can find it on Amazon. You can find links to all these and much more at Dead Cat Studio. That's deadcatstud.io. Thanks for listening. Keep the shiny side up.